Since you've been diagnosed with breast cancer, have you looked at yourself in the mirror and said, why did this happen to me? Well, you're not alone. I did too. But this is a time when you're given two choices. One, you let those four nasty words that you've been told, you have breast cancer, stop us from living. Or two, we can take what we're being given to us and use it as fuel on our path to healing, growth, self-discovery, and to bring out the best of us and become the hero of our journey while we get to inspire others to do the same. Join my inspiring guests and me on our mission to help women just like you with what we discovered on our hero's journey through breast cancer. This is a place where we share all the tools and knowledge we've learned to develop the courage, resilience, mindset and self-love needed to start living your full life like you might never have done before. I am Grace DeAngeli and I welcome you to Breast Cancer Hero's Journey Podcast. Welcome home. So, hi everyone and welcome to today's episode. Today I'm going to be speaking to Natasha Ashera. Now, Natasha comes out of the UK. She's a breast cancer thriver and has been living with the illness since 2013. Now, on her diagnosis, she spontaneously made a powerful decision, like many of us, that whatever happens, she's going to see it as a gift, um, even though she didn't know how. So, she repeatedly found the decision to be powerful yielding for more ongoing gifts, the biggest of which is coming home to her true self, vibrant, alive self, soul self, embodying and living that is constantly revealing itself each moment. I love that about that because that's how I believe in. I live with that. So welcome, Natasha. Welcome on my podcast. Thanks so much, Grace. It's lovely to be here and it's lovely to finally meet you as well. Thank you. Likewise. Now, the thing is, Natasha, I normally say I was diagnosed in 2018. I'm now cancer free. But you actually say that you're living with the illness. So can you explain in 2013, how did this all start? So take our our, our listeners and our viewers on a journey. Yeah. Yeah. So I I found a lump in my breast um, and went to the doctor to have it checked out. And Um, She actually said to me, I'm not worried about that lump. She said, but I am worried about this one. And she pointed to an area where I'd had a benign lump removed four years earlier. Um, And really looking back, there was no need for that lump to be removed. Um, But there had in that place, uh, a tumour was growing. Um, I mean, I didn't know it at the time. I had to go to the hospital and have that uh, diagnosed. So I went to the hospital. They biopsied it, they did a mammogram, and they found it was a small cancer. Luckily, it was um, grade two, Uh, it wasn't very big, it was slow growing. So I felt like, okay, all of that's to my advantage. Um, But you know, it's still a shock, right? Mm -hmm. Isn't it? I mean, you hear the words breast cancer, and it's just like, (sighs) the whole world kind of goes upside down. Um, and I didn't really take it in at first. I went home. I, you know, sat there. <laughs> um, I said to myself, OK, you know, this is what's happening. This is going to be a gift. Whatever, whatever's going to happen, this is going to be a gift. This is the way I'm going to deal with it. 
And then from that point on, I started researching. I felt very strongly in myself that um, I didn't really want to go the medical route. I had been interested in health for quite a while and uh, lots of alternative things. So that was kind of where I started looking, changed my diet, looked at my lifestyle, researched a huge amount of stuff on the internet. Um, but it was within sort of two or three days, the fear really started to kick in. And for me, that was quite paralyzing. I know it's not that way for everybody, um, but it is that way for a lot of women, a lot of people. Um, and I also felt that at the root of it, so for me, it was like, well, you know, what caused this? What's the root of this illness? And that the medical system weren't able to tell me that, which I found completely bizarre. Um, I, I just thought, well, how can you treat this thing when you don't know where it's coming from? You know, then all you're doing really is you're you're trying to deal with symptoms, but surely there must be a reason. Oh no, there's no reason. We don't know. Blah blah blah. And of course, they never ask you um, what your lifestyle is, what your levels of stress are, what your diet is like. Mm. All those kind of things, which I've come to know through the journey, are really really important. Um. Anyway, ultimately, after about three months of changing diet and things like that and implementing all sorts of things, going to see various practitioners and, and, and all of that kind of thing, um, I ultimately did decide to have a lumpectomy to have the tumour removed um, because I was, in, I was in so much fear and I didn't know what mm. to do and it was growing mm -hmm. and it had started to grow much faster than mm -hmm. it was originally presumably I think because of the amount of fear that I was in yeah um mm -hmm. so I had that done and then I really tuned into were the radiotherapy and the chemotherapy they were wanting to give me was that actually right for me and I no matter how long I sat with it how much I said to myself don't just resist it for the sake of it because you don't mm -hmm. want to do it I really tuned in I could not get a yes so finally, I just accepted, OK, this isn't for me and I have to find another way. And mm. I think I feel like I did everything under the sun. But ultimately, although I think everything that I did helped in some way, um, it didn't really solve it. It didn't mm -hmm. heal what was going on. Mm -hmm. Um and then, I mean, long story short, really, back in um, back in 2018, I had some things going on and I felt like, OK, I need to go back and get checked by the hospital because I did go periodically to get checked. Um, but I found that experience quite difficult. Um, and actually, I'd been for a number of consultants. The first one called me crazy because I wouldn't do the chemotherapy. Mm. Uh, another one I went to see seemed to get quite angry with me that I didn't want to do that. I didn't find that very helpful, <laughs> as mm. you can imagine. So I went to see somebody else who a friend of mine was going to see who was monitoring her through MR regular MRIs. Um, and that was something I was willing to be monitored through. I didn't want to have mammograms. I don't, mm -hmm. um, I don't believe that they're safe. 
Mm-hmm. And she wouldn't monitor me that way. She actually told me, oh, no, we don't do that, uh, which I knew was a lie. And I don't know why I didn't confront her with it, but I think, you know, the whole experience of going to hospital at that stage was quite difficult for me. Mm-hmm. Um, and then she <laughs> she decided to pull out every fear tactic under the sun to try and persuade me to have treatment. Um, you know, saying things like, uh, well, if you don't do this treatment, um, then it could go to your liver and you could be dead in six months. Again, not very helpful. And actually, mm. for me, that just had me running in the opposite direction. It didn't work. I made a decision not, for better or worse, not to go back to the hospital at that point. Um, which was a shame, really, because I think, you know, it's a failing, I think, of our medical system that they can't, some of them, not all of them, um, won't integrate with lots of the complementary and alternative therapies out. So really that had the opposite effect on me. It, mm. it had me running away from the medical system, a decision not to go back, for, for better or worse. Um, mm. So after that, I just dealt with things the best I could. But I, um, in at the beginning of lockdown, so when, you know, the whole COVID mm-hmm. um, pandemic blew up, I had been having more symptoms going on. There was sort of pain in my breast and I knew, you know, there was lumps there and I knew there was stuff going on. So I um, went to a different hospital, went to a different consultant and went with a different attitude as well. Mm-hmm. Um and had it confirmed that yes there was active cancer and now it had also gone into my bones Mm. so I look back on that and realize that actually my inability to deal with the fear that was running in the background of all of this um had to me now it seems that that had kept the disease alive it was the reason why none of all the fantastic stuff that I had done had worked. Mm. Um, You know, when you live in fear, then your body is in fight flight all the time. You're in stress all the time. Mm -hmm. Your body can't heal. So um, when I received the bone cancer diagnosis, my fear went through the roof. Like Mm. it was a level of terror I don't think I had ever really felt before consciously. Mm -hmm. And I said to myself, okay, this is what I haven't dealt with. Mm -hmm. Um, Thank God, really, it's here because I I did know from, you know, my journey over the years and, and my personal development work that you know, these things need to be dealt with and faced. But for some reason, I hadn't been able to. I now know that's because of trauma. Um, um, And I know that trauma is at the root of the illness, as it can be for so many people. Um, And here, finally, here it was. (laughs) I was smacked in the face with it and couldn't be ignored. Um, I'd done enough work over the prior years around understanding trauma and knowing that if we can 
really truly be present with our emotional state as it arises in full acceptance, no resistance, then it can pass through and release. But I hadn't been able to do that with this level of fear mm -hmm. because my trauma was so early and so repeated and so, com so compounded that I didn't have in my nervous system the wiring and the ability to support myself through that level of intensity. Um, so I knew I needed somebody who could really hold me to be able to, so that my system could learn to be with that fear and learn it was okay mm -hmm. and release it. Mm -hmm. And uh, luckily I found somebody. Beautiful. I did some work with her and honestly within, I think within two or three sessions, that terror went. Mm -hmm. And I had the experience of, of feeling this horrific terror in my body. Like, like an, everything in me would scream to run away from it, yeah. not feel it, do everything not to feel it, anything <laughs> but that. Um, but she held me in it and she held me so beautifully in it that it was able to process through my system and release. And I would, after that second and third session, I would come out of the session and I would feel such an opening of mm. freedom and joy that I'd been longing for all my life. And I, and I couldn't believe the irony, really, that it was, it was there all along, but the way through it, to it, was through my fear. Yeah. Um, so that was it was a revelation to me and it was um, it was very exciting because I realized the implications for me, uh, not just in my life in terms of well, all sorts of other ways that fear was impacting my life and my relationships, but also with regards to the illness, because I really mm -hmm. felt, you know, this fear had been in my system since year dot since conception yeah. Mm -hmm. I um yeah I was adopted as a youngster and and my mother got pregnant under it very very young mm -hmm. um and the pregnancy was denied for five months so you know what, what does a little fetus do in that situation yeah. don't exist I better not be here absorbing mm -hmm. everything from the environment mm -hmm. so this was infused into me in, at a cellular level um, so I worked with this lady for some time, for about six months. And then I really began to notice, although the fear cleared actually really quickly, I was quite surprised. Mm. Um, we worked to clear the other things that would just come forward spontaneously. And what I noticed was that these, these patterns that came forward, they were identities. So they were personality patterns that were locked in place, you know, that, that held, oh, just such gold of information. And they were, they were put into place in the way they, it's funny how identities are sort of constructed within our mm. psyche, you know, with the beliefs, the thoughts, and then often the images that come with that in our head. Mm -hmm. But they're all rooted into the body through sensation. 
and, and often we label those sensations as emotion. So the work really was about revealing those constructs, mm-hmm. presencing deeply with them, um, with no resistance, just literally revealing them, and then um, allowing them to rest in full awareness. And then they would disappear. Mm. And over the time I worked with her, I realized that I I developed this strength within my nervous system to be able to hold myself enough that I could do that on my own. And it started to really build confidence in myself. Mm. Just need a drink of water. That's okay. That's okay. Thank you for that. Look, it's just, um, you know, everything you're saying, I, I, uh, you know, I, 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 not only do I agree, just so I can agree, I I know where you're coming from because that's exactly where I believe. Um, you know, from the the get go that you said, you know, I'm thinking that's exactly what I did. You know, um, so and it, and it's quite interesting how you, the, from the get go you said, you know, I asked the doctors, well, where where does this come from? They're like, oh, like I've heard a lot of things. I've heard because um, you don't lactate. You don't have children. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And whereas my mum had four kids and I think she breastfed mm. and I'm like, mum had it. So, you know what I mean? It's all right. these um, external things, you know, oh, it's because of your age. It's because of, oh, I don't know, who knows? You know what I mean? But I'm thinking it's it's not just that. So it's interesting how you how you say that because I always say, you know, was I, was I um, surprised I had breast cancer? Absolutely. We all are. But was yeah. I surprised I had it? No. Because I looked at my past traumas, like you said. So when I hear of people with cancer, um, I do the same thing. I don't, I'm not analyzing, I'm not judging. What I'm trying to do is I'm just trying to go back a bit and go, there it is. That's, you know, um, and people don't realize that. People talk about the now, the here and now. Oh, look, this is what's happened to me. Um, and not realize that we're carrying, like you said, you know, um, the traumas for so long, whether it was traumas for 10 years, 20 years, 30 years, 50 years, depending how, how, how old, when it happened, we all hold it. So yeah, I, I, I love the way you express that. Cause that is so true. So, so you've worked with this lady for six months so you can get rid of all those fears, but did you also work through, I guess you also work through the, um, the the traumas that you were going through were they coming in all at once or because the reason I I mean I know like you where they come in and when they don't but not many people realize well how do I know you know how do I know that was a trauma and I'm not just creating it as a trauma and I don't mean that in a bad way but you know what I'm saying like they try and find a story you know, I mean, you and I, we can say it like it's the back of our hand because yeah. we know what happened. You know, I was I was abused. I was physically beaten by my father, you know. So mm-hmm. it's, yeah. it's I know that like the back of my hand. That's where my trauma yeah. started from. So and things like that. And my mother not being present, you know, that's why, again, I believe the feminine energy of the breast, you know, um, and also the uterus, women who get uterus cancer, your cervical cancer or things like that, it represents the feminine. So yeah. I believe my mum had to do something like that. So you know what I'm saying? Like, so how, how do you how do you go through that? How do you go through the traumas? So where you were able to identify them as traumas 
like I said, and not something that we create. Yeah, I see it as our triggers, really, our flags. And what I mean by triggers are the things that we react to emotionally. Um, or sometimes, actually, we're not aware that it's emotional. Um, we get a trigger and all of a sudden our, our mind starts going off on one about someone mm. or something. And there's usually a, a, an emotional taproot in the body that holds energetic information about that. I see it as really, um, you're not going to react that way if you're not holding a trauma. Mm. If you're not holding some energetic it's like there's there's energy from your history history frozen in time in your body and your field that your body is holding for you until until the right time that you can release it and so then we have these triggers mm. and if you weren't holding that energy that trauma you wouldn't get triggered by it so actually our triggers, as distressing as they can be, when we don't really understand what we are, they are and we don't understand how to respond to them, they are absolute gold on your healing journey, honestly. Mm-hmm. And I, I'm now at the, stage, at the stage where a trigger comes along, which it doesn't these days that much. Um, but when it does, it's like, great. <laughs> something here that I can release something here that says to me there's more freedom and joy available yeah Um, but you know it wasn't always that way and triggers would happen and I would I would go into a complete spin and a downward spiral I could be in anxiety depression anger you name it for weeks Mm. cycling around things yeah. And I like the way you say that, you know, it it could be, um, it's a gift because I saw it as that as well. You know, I didn't see it as a, I never said the words, why me? Why not me? You know, um, this, and I never said the words, this is happening to me. I would always say this is happening for me. I need to learn from this because this is happening for me. Um, so I saw it as a gift. What, the, like you said, what the gift was, I don't know. Did I, if you told me five, six years ago, you'd be doing podcasts and speaking to other women with breast cancer, I'd be like, oh, maybe I would have touched on it because my mom had it, but no, not really. You know, uh, I was, we were, we had a uh, seven-figure business. Um, we had 22 staff. We were in construction. Now, when we say, like, uh, you know, whether you believe in energy fields or believe in, like, you know, the, the you know spirit, whoever you believe in, tries to shift you because you're not sitting in your true authentic self. Yeah. Well, not only was that taken away 24 hours before I was diagnosed, but we lost everything. So uh, we lose all our company. I get diagnosed. But m- we, my husband is now a life coach, something he, he was coaching. He was life coaching our staff. Like at one stage, I'm thinking, what are you Dr. Field to them? Or are you a construction, you know, business owner? Um, and then, so if someone said to me six years ago, Grace, you would be doing this. I'd be like, no, I'm not. I'm not. I'm in construction. I'm an office chick. You know, I go on site. Da, 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 da. So it, it is quite interesting how you say that, that it is a gift, but it obviously doesn't come you know, hi, you're being diagnosed. Oh, this is a gift. You know, like you said, I also went into what the, you know, you know, you go into that bubble mm. 
for quite a while or a short term of time, but you go through it until you can sit back up, you know, just shift in your seat and say, right, now I've got to look at it from a different angle. So did you feel that you started to look at things differently for yourself? Is that how it started? Or did you find that you did need, you know, the, the help of, of, of this lady or other people to guide you through that? Um, I definitely needed help. Mm-hmm. And, and that was something I, I recognised um, not just in the last couple of years. You know, I've always sought out help because I, mm-hmm. I've always known I've had a challenging history. Um, and I've always known at some level that I carry trauma and I've always sought help with that. And also I'm, I, it's always been psychology has been a fascination for me right from my teenage years like what makes people tick what makes me tick (laughs) why are my parents like this um (laughs) so I've always been interested in that and reading uh reading about that I ended up in my 20s and jobs that I didn't like or want um and and always wanted you know for for one reason or another I was sort of um not encouraged shall we shall we say to follow my heart Mm. and and my Mm. passions and my interests and what I was good at um so I got very lost in my career but eventually I think when when things really started to break down psychologically for me in my 20s and early 30s I said to myself, okay, you know, I really need to start paying attention to doing things I want to do. And that's when I started to train, initially trained as a psychotherapist Mm. and then went on to train in um, coaching modalities that were uh, more about presence and embodiment, being present in the body. Um, But always with a focus to helping other people and not really grasping you know, I knew I needed help, but I didn't realise how much. Mm. I didn't realise how much. Yeah. Um, so this cancer journey for me really has been an incredible gift in respect to that, in, in respect to understanding and seeing these layers within myself um, that have needed clearing. Um, and to, you know, to get that help from other people all through that journey has been invaluable because you know we have we have blind spots about ourselves that's mm-hmm. just mm-hmm. that's just kind of normal until you know how to uncover your blind spots <laughs> <laughs> and even yeah. then it's just easier when somebody else can point them out to you <laughs> and support yeah. you in mm. in dealing with those yeah um, so yeah i think getting help from other people is is incredibly uh, helpful and valuable but it has to be the right person and it has to be the mm-hmm. right help mm-hmm. and I think that's something I've become really good at over the years is tuning into the next step tuning into what's right for me and what's not and initially on my journey that wasn't always easy um, and because of the blind spots I didn't always get it right um, but over time it's become easier and gradually as, as I've released these identity structures and patterns that are at the root of uh, the traumas and the illness, 
um, I can hear myself much more clearly. I have a, a knowing that comes from deep within my body about what's right and what's not, mm. about who feels safe and who doesn't, about who's walking their talk and who isn't. Mm. Um, yeah, I think that's been a big one for me, actually. You know, quite often we can buy into the words of what somebody is saying, but if we aren't deeply connected in our own selves, yeah, and we can't feel whether they are actually in alignment with what they're saying. Are they walking mm-hmm. their talk? Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that's that's really important to feel. And that really only comes when you start to release those traumas out of your system. Because when those traumas go, then your true self really can can come mm-hmm. forward. Your soul can embody. Your spirit can embody and be here and live as you. That that is what I really believe life is all about Um, and I also believe you know we get sick when our soul is saying I've had enough of living like this wow you know you need to wake up here yeah I'm I'm saying wow because I'm I'm hearing me through you I say the exact same thing so it's not I'm like, yes, there's someone else who thinks the same way as me. Um, but it's not, it's not because we're trying to be different. What it is, you 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 hit the nail on the head so many times that if I had a little bell, it would have been constantly ringing because it's so true. Because I always say to people, when you're not living your authentic self, that's when life says, you know what, you've been BSing me way too long. I can't deal with this. Your body shuts down. Everything shuts down because we suppress everything. Because like you said, we're wearing masks. We're wearing constantly wearing masks. I'm wearing a mask for this person. I'm wearing a mask for that person. I need to be this for this. I need to be that for that. Not realizing. And then we're people pleasers. Oh, well, I was anyway. It's not that I'm not anymore, but I know how to say the word no a lot more than the word yes these days. Um, but it's why, because we goes, it stems back, see, because in my case, it stems back to my childhood. Because if I did this for this person, in return, I'm going to get that connection. Uh, I don't get love, but I get that connection, which is like love. If I do this for this person, it's a connection. They're going to say, oh, wow, Grace, thank you so much. It's a connection. It's a transaction. So what was happening is I was doing all these transactions, but get nothing in return. And then what happens is you sort of feel like, okay, I got to do more transactions so I could be seen I could be but when we say seen not because we're trying to be in the limelight because we want to be loved it comes down to two things human beings are afraid of love um or um or being uh what's the other one or rejection so it was or something like that I'm going to misquote my mentor but my husband knows how to say it better but you know what I mean it's about that you know it comes down to you know not good enough we're not good enough we're not good enough so we're going to keep going at it And when we have traumas where if you dig deep uh, and you realize that you haven't had that connection of love, like if you ask me, what was it like to be loved by your parents? I don't know. I've had both my parents for my whole life, like until my, my mother passed away when I was 40. Oh, geez. How old was I? That was nine years ago. I can't even count. But anyway, uh, 41, something like that. And my dad passed away when just now. 
he passed away two months ago at the age of 50. I'm, I'm 50. So, you know, and the thing is, if I said to you, my parents love me, they did. I'm not going to say they didn't, but I never felt love. I never felt it. So what I did my whole life is I tried to be the approval of others until I started, like you said, shedding all of that. And now I'm my authentic self. And a lot of people like, oh my God, Grace, you say what you want. And it's not being brutal. I always say to people, doesn't mean me telling them to F off here and, you know, pee off there and things like that. That's not what I'm talking about because that's being, that's your ego. You know, I talk about, um, you know, being authentic to yourself. If something doesn't sit right, look, you know what? I really appreciate you asking me out on this, you know, journey with you, or, you know, this movie, whatever it is. But you know what? I don't really feel comfortable doing it. And, and that's okay. You know what? I appreciate you. So when you say that to the other person, they know where they stand, but you're being true to you as well. Um, so that's what I say about people. And the fact that you love psychology, I'm actually going back to studying human behavior as we speak. So, um, you know, I've even got my online, you know, my online school uh, you know, on my PC right in front of me. So I'm not doing any, you know, I am listening to you. Um, but you know what I mean? But it's just like, because I I was the same. I was, oh, how can I heal others? How can I, how, not heal, how can I be there for others? And then I stop being there for myself. Mm-hmm. And like you said, then something like this comes along and you go, oh, hell no. And then when I start saying to people, it's about me. It's not selfish. It's selfless because the more you can give to yourself, the better you can give to others, you know. And I know it sounds like that cliche. When you get on the plane, what do they say? If the oxygen mask comes down, I know. But people don't realise what the definition, what that, that's, we use it as a metaphor. But why? Because if you don't look after yourself, I ain't good to anyone else. But I have to be true to me first. And I think that's where you're coming from. I feel that that's where you're coming from as well. So now what you do is you actually help others. You help other women on these journeys, um, you know, so where do you help them? Like, do they reach out to you just the beginning of their journey, midway through their journey, before their journey of this sort comes along, you know, because I, I feel like I'm at service and I believe you are too. And I always say to people, please come and reach out to me before you get that knock on the door like I did. So, and that's what I mean by being at service. If I can help you before you come down, down this road, great. So um, yeah. So where do you, so how do you do this within yourself? How do you help women and, and possibly traumas they're going through? Mm. Um, oh, there's so much you've said, Grace, and I, <laughs> that I really want to acknowledge just before I go there. Um, I was nodding all the way through that, reminding me of, we used to have an advert um, in England for an insurance company I don't know if you have it over there mm. Churchill like the nod, no. nodding dog yeah. and I just feel like I'm not I'm just <laughs> nodding dog at you yeah. but yeah resonating so with so much that you're saying you know the mm. oxygen mask um, saying no to others means saying yes to yourself you know some of us have to learn all of that mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's part of undoing these um and releasing these identities and these personality structures. Um, So yes, this is the work that I I do with women. Um, I mean, I really focus on women who 
either are on the breast cancer journey or they've come out the other side and they mm. have all clear but they're possibly still worried about it coming back mm-hmm. so they still have a fear that runs mm. and um you know as i've said that running that fear and just letting it run without dealing with it i believe is is not healthy mm. and can actually be a reason why um, the disease might re- uh, come back because really in a way it's never gone mm. never dealt mm. with the root cause mm-hmm. so um, really I work with women who are more interested in um, a holistic journey so it's unlikely if they want to go the medical route they're happy with that they're aligned to that that's all they're interested in and and for many women that works really well I believe because they're totally aligned with it Mm. as long as you're aligned with what you're doing it's probably going to work for you but for me I work with the women who yes they may or may not want medical treatment Mm -hmm. but they're interested in doing everything that they can yeah they want to get to the root cause They know that there's certain things that have happened in their life that may have brought them to this point and manifested as a a diagnosis of breast cancer. And they want to do everything that they can in order to be well and everything they can in order to prevent it from coming back. Mm. Um, I think, you know, some of the... I want to mention at this point, actually... um, the work of this Dr. Hamer, this German Mm. doctor who um, founded something called German New Medicine. And um, I became aware of his work way back when I got diagnosed. Um, But at that time, I didn't look really deeply into it. I, I read a few things about it. And the thing that really piqued my interest was that, um, He was saying for a right-handed woman, which I am, um, with a tumour in the left breast, which mine was, same for you. Yep, and I'm (laughs) right-handed. Right, that that the the root cause of the illness was to do with um, mother-child conflict. There you go. It just blew me away because, Mm. you know, I'm looking at, okay, you know, my history of, um, Mm -hmm. you know, adoption, which I translated into my being as being rejected and not wanted and abandoned and then being brought up, you know, by parents who had the best of intentions. And like you were saying about your parents, you know, I don't doubt that they loved me, Mm. but I didn't feel loved by them. Um, and you know my mother was my mother who brought me up was quite abusive she had her own issues she was very controlling she had a lot of anger I was flipping terrified of her Mm. so Mm. I lived in fear Um, so it it made perfect sense to me so I've always known throughout the journey and and actually prior to that that there were these issues that I carried that needed resolving um Mm. But the other thing that he, as I delved more deeply into his work, I'm finding it endlessly fascinating. So he he actually says that, um, and initially he worked and mapped um, cancers because he was working, he was an oncologist and he was working with cancer patients, but he then went on to map other illnesses 
And I find this incredibly fascinating. So he actually, Dr. Hamer, this is a German new medicine, he actually developed cancer himself within about a year or two of his son being tragically killed. Yeah. And prior to that, he'd been a very healthy man. And he thought, well, he thought this isn't a coincidence. And he got really interested mm. in it. And then he started to ask questions of his cancer patients. And he found without a doubt that within a year or two prior to a detectable cancer, they'd had some kind of major trauma or stress in their life. And then he started to look at the brains of his cancer patients. He was doing CT scans of his cancer patients and he noticed that there was always an area of the brain that was um, damaged, if you like. That, and the area of the brain that was damaged related specifically to the organ or the system in the body in which the cancer was manifesting. Mm. Um, so he pieced this incredible body of work together where he's mapped every sort of disease symptom to the area of the brain and what it relates to. And he's basically saying that there is a, a trigger for the illness, something that he calls, if I remember rightly, a shock conflict or a conflict trauma mm -hmm. that starts this stress phase of disease and that disease has these two phases and then if if we can resolve that trauma then we can start to move into the healing phase of course we're not as simple as that and often we can kind mm. of recycle between these sort of stress and healing phases so this Correct. is where i think we start to we can actually actually heal from something but then we can recreate it because our mind gets involved mm. it relives the original trauma we get scared and worried about it we start oh no what if it comes back what if this what if that um so we need to this is where the work of really pulling out these mm. um emotional tap roots these emotional energetic tap roots from the body mind system comes into play so that we yeah. can start to move forward in a different way now i just find that work absolutely fascinating mm. and this, this is really what bothers me about the medical system is that they aren't you know the, the, there is such great information out there that that isn't integrated into the medical model um however there is a system of meta health which has taken dr hamer's work and is all about integrating the medical approach with the um, alternative and complementary mm. approach and also working with these emotional shock conflicts and undoing those. And for me, understanding this information has taken all the fear out of the disease. Yeah. Because as you probably know from your own journey and many people do, everybody I speak to, mm with a cancer diagnosis knows the fear mm -hmm, you know, this, this comes with fear but but mm -hmm. which came first the fear of the cancer the fear. Cancer or the fear it's like the chicken yeah, and the egg it's really chicken <laughs> that's right but i always say to people that um i always thought that the fear for myself i always thought that the fear came with the cancer but it was it wasn't it was always underlining the cancer just sifted it out 
made it bigger. And like yourself, I lived in fear for two years and it had me by the throat in a corner and I couldn't breathe to the point where I would say to people, I'm not going to die of cancer, I'm going to die of fear. Um, and then like yourself, I went through a process with my mentor um, where now, you know, the process itself was very big. When I say it, I'm not going to scream it out what I said, but part of the process was I looked at fear like a person and I said, you need to pack your bags and you need to get the F out. I've got no time for you ever again. I don't want you to come and visit. I looked at it like it was a person who's come into my home and has destroyed my house. You're not going to say to that person, oh, could you do me a favor? Could you please leave? You're going to get, no, I've had enough of this. I'm not going to take it anymore. So I went through that process. But for me, it was because it cost me my life. It cost me two years of my life. I wouldn't even book this from the next day. I wouldn't book nothing. You know, oh, do you want to do that in a week? I don't know if I'm going to be here in a week. Why should I book it? That's how bad it was. Yeah. So, you know what I mean? So with that, I learned. And the moment now, like I like people laugh when I say it, but I go, mate, fear can't come visit me. You can come visit me if I'm on a plane and the pilot says, last prayers, we're going down. Okay, you can come. You can, that's the only time. Do I get scared? Yes, but that's different. I don't live in it. I look at it. Okay, why are you coming up? Scanxiety is what they call every year someone goes for a scan. They call it, and I think, why name it, right? Why name it? But anyway, you know what I mean? I'm like, I scan anxiety. It's like, whatever. Why don't you just put another label on? That That's what puts fear into people. And I just want to touch on that because like we're saying, it's it doesn't matter. I mean, in your case, it's holistic. I went holistic as well. But I did the holistic approach. And I always say to people, in my case, I had Western medicine here. I still did the blood test. I still did the scans. I still did everything. I still needed it. But if you don't fix the mind and the soul, it doesn't matter how many operations, how much chemo, how much radiation you do, it's not going to get better. I believe that because you have to, you have to basically get rid of that old uh, blueprint. It's an old blueprint that we have. You have to get rid of it and start from scratch. And that's scary because like you said before, people identify a certain way. Well, who I am, I, who am I now if I'm not going to be this people pleaser? Who am I now if I'm not going to be the yes girl? Who am I now if I suppress everything and everyone thinks I'm the most bubbly person out there? So they, there's that conflict of, oh, I need to stick with this persona you know, uh, and that could hurt you. Now, the thing is also um, the doctor giving you feedback, making you feel fearful. So this doctor, I mean, this doctor, it's a perfect example. I don't know if you've ever heard of the um, um, Christopher Reeves wife. She passed away four months after he did. Why? She died of lung cancer. She didn't smoke. Lungs represent grief. So you can imagine a woman who I have no idea how many years he lived in a wheelchair like that. I don't know. But whether it was for one year, 15 years, 25 years, she held that. That's why it took her so quick because like we're saying, because it's it's a trauma that happens. And I, and I, I can't wait to look up this doctor as well because I believe the same thing. It's something that happens that triggers 
all of the all the stress hormones or the whatever you want to call it and says ah like here i am and there's a great book that's called why zebras don't have ulcers because they don't live in fear 24 7 us humans do so what we do is we recycle that trauma yeah. You know, so I just wanted to touch on that because I, I was writing it all down and I'm thinking, oh my God, this makes sense so much. But that's exactly what I love about it because I love the fact that you do that for women and you help them through that. Because do you, I mean, let me ask this question because sometimes when I, I ask women to open up that side, some of them are like, no, there's nothing wrong with me. Help me, help me, help me get rid of my cancer and tell me what you did. But I don't want to talk about anything. And it's like, I always say to people, when you can talk about something and it's a, it's a scar and an open wound, there's a difference. So I always say to people, when it's an open wound, you need to fix that because every time you scrape it, it's going to come back and haunt you. This is what we're talking about. The trauma that keeps coming back mm -hmm. when it, when it's a, a, a scar, you can talk about it till the cows come home, but there's no emotion attached to it. Um, so do you find that women who um, come and see you, do they? Do you find that they're hesitant to tell you about their traumas or do you feel like, you know what, I just got to get this off my chest? I don't really attract the women who aren't willing to go there. Yeah. Um, I mean, women come to me who don't really understand who, the level of the impact that these traumas that they carry are having. Mm. Um, they might not really get the depth um, to which these things are affecting them or running in their system because because you know our in, our system intelligently kind of packages it up and hides it until we're ready to deal with it mm -hmm. and and cancer can be you know the right kind of trigger for that to start opening it up mm -hmm. um, but I think it's it's also mis because culturally um, you know our western culture doesn't want to go there so many pe people don't understand that they carry trauma so many mm -hmm. people don't realize that actually they're stressed or yeah. they think they thrive on stress mm -hmm. we don't really thrive on stress at all in my opinion no. you know, we design we we have a, a nervous system that um allows us to be in stress for a while and then like the zebra we we need to switch it off and calm down and go back to grazing we run into problems when we can't go back to grazing mm. and of course it's the aspect of, of our mind our our i forget the terminology now is it the cerebral cortex the, the yes thinking yeah. mind yeah yeah that, that we can get locked into loops of thinking that that like oh no what if it comes back oh no what if, what yeah. if this happens that just recreates the trauma. So, yeah. you know, we can resolve things to a certain stage or state, but then our thinking, and, and which usually is driven by the emotional and energetic um, roots in our body, they're related, um, just sets it all off again. Mm, mm. So, um, yeah, I really work with the women who who they get at some level that there is an emotional component to this. Yeah. Um, and they want to deal with that. Yeah. Um, because like for me, it was, I'm looking back and I'm realizing I did, I did and still do all that amazing stuff. Um, but without dealing with 
the the fear and the trauma that was trapped in my system none of it could work mm-hmm. yeah and also I didn't go into the fact that actually now I am having some treatment now. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, because I felt with the, with the metastatic diagnosis I felt a little bit backed up against the wall it was mm-hmm. like mm-hmm. you know shit mm-hmm. am I allowed to say shit what am I going to do yeah. So for me, it just felt like when I tuned into it, okay, it's like this is this is gonna give me some time to deal with yeah. what I know I need to deal with here. Mm. So you know, it's the medical system is not all bad. There is some benefits to it. Um, I still don't think I could do full blown chemotherapy. Mm. I, I mm. still don't. But but you know, also we never know until we're faced with the choices. We can never really know what our decisions mm-hmm. are going to be because mm-hmm. we're a different person. We're a different being in every moment of now. So we have to mm-hmm. always bring our full selves to that mm-hmm. to that moment when it presents itself. Um, mm-hmm. And if you're think if you're thinking ahead of time, well, if that happens, then I'm going to do this. Then you're not alive to the moment. You are living mm-hmm. from your head. And usually there is some kind of identity or personality construct, uh, like some kind of blue, um, I think you called it a blueprint. Blueprint, yeah. yeah. That works. Mm-hmm. It really isn't mm-hmm. you. It's not mm-hmm. your authenticity. Yeah, yeah. So, and that's what, that's what I believe, you know, you need to change that. Yeah. 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 So that's the work I do with women is, is, I mean, I talk about, yes, we address the mental, emotional, energetic and spiritual aspects of the journey. Mm-hmm. A lot of what I do is around undoing these identities mm. that have us believing things about ourselves that are not true. They're lies. Yeah. You know, whenever yeah. we're believing about ourselves that we're not good enough, mm-hmm. that we can't do something, um, whenever we're down on ourselves, all mm-hmm. of that, it, it's so clear to me now, all of that is a lie. And yet it can mm. feel so true when, when we are identified with that it feels true absolutely absolutely so it's about learning to release that but from a place of understanding what we are when when we understand what we are and how to it's difficult to describe sometimes but I think when we understand what we are and we have a clear reference point for that it then becomes really easy easy simple I would say yeah. it becomes really simple <laughs> not necessarily yeah. easy to release yeah. what isn't our us yeah we spot the lies that we tell ourselves about Correct. ourselves that we've bought mm. into for so long yeah yeah and and you know the thing is it's it, I, I always say that because people like yourself are needed and the reason I say that is because you know all right I was blessed because I did my spiritual work my uh when I say spiritual, it's not just spiritual in that sense, but I did a lot of work and I was able to go to Peru. I was able to sit with shamanic medicine work. So that was different. A lot of people think, oh, is, did that purge out your sickness? No, 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 no. That purged out my traumas. So, um, you know, when I say purge, a lot of, I'm not, I'm not talking, you know, physically vomiting all the time. I'm talking crying. I went and did um, also from there, I went to Ubud and did Ayurveda, which is, an if you've heard of it, yeah that too a lot of people think oh you must have dropped all this weight 
no. You know, the difference was I remember coming out of the doctor and he said, you didn't lose that much weight, but he said, but your pulse, he said, it's like 180. So what it was is I I purged again. I would eat clean, but I would sit there in my room and I would diary and I would cry and I would I wouldn't judge. I would just release. I would be releasing. Then I went and did um, Vipassana. I don't know if you've heard of that, which is silent meditation. So <laughs> that was a lot of stuff coming up as, as well. So I don't get me wrong. I didn't do it back to back to back. I, I think I would have been exhausted. I would have been just dead to the world. But uh, but I did that. And that's part of my healing process. I mean, I'm about to go overseas again and hopefully I can get back to Peru. Why? Do you think I'm an onion? I still got things to peel off. So the thing is, and I say to people, and people might sit here going, well, I can't get to Peru, Grace. I can't get to Ubud. I can't get to Vipassana. That's okay because there are people that are here to help you like yourself. You're at service because what you offer is what you've done yourself. You know what I mean? And that's the purest intention. That is the purest intention where there's nothing behind it. I get no benefit out of it. I'm telling you because I want you to walk this life. You know, I say that to people. I don't get anything out of what I do because I want you to live. I want you to live the best life you have. That's what if someone comes up to me three years, five years and says, Grace, I'm now living the life I've always lived. That to me, money can't put value on it because it's that moment, you know, and I think that's, you know, and I'm, I'm just healing that. Sorry, not healing. I said the word healing, but I'm just reading um, how you have that. You know, you have a um, some some great tools and resources which I want you to share with our listeners and our viewers because I don't want them to think, oh, well, that's my only way. The fact that you said you're going down Western medicine, great. Don't I always say to people, it's not a decision is a great decision for now. If you believe within yourself, I need to do something else, the world's your limit. There's no limit. Go and do it. I always say to people, if you're doing chemo and you're strongly with chemo, do something holistic. Take hemp seed. I don't know. Take CBD oil, whatever it is. You don't, you can mix them. You know, when, when I say mix them, be mindful. You're not mixing chemical like medicine with another chemical medicine. You're, what you're doing is if one is creating some disturbance in your body, then use something that's helping you heal that. So I love the fact that you're still moving forward. You're saying, Grace, I've, I've chosen this path, which is fantastic. It's fantastic. I'm not going to sit here and say, no, you should. No, it's great. But you're still doing the other side, the the side that, you know, your doctors, our doctors, you know, unfortunately aren't educated enough like this doctor in Germany to say, hey, we're fixing the physical body, but now we need to fix this part of the human as well. So tell us what our viewers and our listeners can um can can expect when they when they reach out to you what can you offer them what when i say offer what is your service uh yeah thanks grace um so i have a number of ways to to engage with me and um i'm developing things all the time because i really only launched at the end of last year um so 
I'm learning all the time from the people, women I'm interacting with and, and, you know, finding ways to offer things that I know are really helpful or I'm learning are really helpful. Um, so initially there's a freebie on my website you can download um, called uh, the Three Minutes to Calm bundle that I've put together to really help women to relax their nervous system. Mm. Um, and whether you think you need this or not, I would really encourage you to give it a go. Mm, absolutely. Um, I, I work. So. Yeah, I work a lot with nature mindfulness. So there's, um, I've utilised a, a nature mindfulness approach um, with this that I have found absolutely profound for me in my own journey, um, and it's something that I pretty much do daily um, because I love it. Yeah. I love that. I love the way it makes me feel. Like just to have that peace and that calm and that connection to nature is absolute gold for me. Yeah. Um, so that's something for free. I would always encourage uh, people to download that. Mm. Um, then, then I have a few different ways uh, depending at where you are on the journey. So I offer a, a diagnosis support call for somebody who's just been diagnosed and is freaking out. Mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. You know, when you first get a diagnosis, maybe you don't want to tell your family about it straight yeah. away. Mm -hmm. um, or maybe you have told them and the responses haven't been that helpful to you because they're trying to deal with their own stress and reactions around it. Sometimes you just need to speak to somebody who understands what it's like. Mm -hmm. So that's something I offer, which is um, right. an hour of speaking to me, offloading. I will, you know, I'll share aspects of my own journey if there's things that are helpful in that respect. But really, it's just a space I provide to listen and hold. Beautiful. whatever needs to come out in that moment I don't care if you melt down you're full of snot mm. whatever <laughs> I can hold it it's <laughs> right holding space yeah beautiful yeah um the other offering I have at the moment is um something called stop stressing start healing Mm, um, which is a small package just to help women and they could be this could be women who've just been diagnosed maybe they're on their journey um, but it's really to deal with the overwhelm that can come from the journey especially if you're somebody who wants to do everything you can to heal you're interested in the holistic side of things so you're probably researching a lot you're probably trying to gather information um, and that can be overwhelming, yeah. you know, because there is so much information out there. So I take you through a process of just literally in a way getting all of that down on paper in a way that um, is manageable and gets it out of your head, reduces the overwhelm. And then I start to help you tune in. So this is where you're starting to learn um, to read what's right for you from your own guidance. So then we literally narrow all of that down to three manageable steps and we help you take the first one. And through that, you're also learning the process to keep taking this, taking yourself through this again and again and again. So you don't need to keep going into overwhelm because it's, you know, it's not a helpful emotion to stay in. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Wow. And the thing is, 
Like I said, you are at service. You are at service. And I say that with such humbleness and gratitude because you are there for others. You are there to um, be there um, to assist, like you said, whether it's to hold space, whether it's to give them one word of encouragement or whether to help them take the first step on their journey. And that is why I do these podcasts because I want people to know that it doesn't matter if you're on your journey, you're at your end of your journey, the beginning of your journey, you're still going through it. There is always things that you can, there's always tools and resources. When I say tools and resources, it doesn't mean you have to go out and buy the 17th millionth book out there, but it's seeing it, it's feeling it. Um, you know, and, and when you, can sit here. And like I said before, I can feel your authenticity. I can see how much this is, you're passionate about this. I really can. And this is why I would say to people, you need to go and see Natasha. You need to go and reach out to Natasha. And I have sent people out there in the past that have come to me. If I always say, if I don't have the answer, I will find someone who does. You know, so then that's where I encourage people to, you know, and this is why I do this because I'm not the only one. My story is my story. What I did is one way, but it might resonate with you, may not resonate with you. Uh, and that's what I really wanted to touch on. But if I'm correct to say, did you say you're also an author? Is that correct? Yeah, so part of my healing journey, oh, just to, to touch on that as well, I also, the deeper work then, the deeper soul work with, with women then is around undoing these personality structures, mm -hmm. identity mm -hmm. structures, and I do sessions around that. But those are very much tailored to the individual. So we'd need to have a conversation. So, yes, the author part isn't directly related to cancer, but kind of is is related to my cancer journey. Mm -hmm. So um, one of the traumas from my history was around having my creativity um, devalued and cut off when it was so important to me i mean i'm an artist in my mm, soul beautiful yeah um and i wasn't allowed to i was prevented from from pursuing that um mm. in my schooling years and um to me that was a huge trauma it was a massive wound yeah. and um it was one of the things that in my early 30s, when when uh, my life kind of, you know, the first time my life kind of collapsed, um, I really realised I needed to, to do some creative recovery. Yeah. Um, which I did, but it was, a, it was an incredible, difficult journey because it, all the trauma came forward as I started to move forward creatively. Mm -hmm. I, I would try and paint a... a a picture and I'd have a meltdown about it you know and then all this narrative about how shit I was and wasn't good enough oh. and all that kind of stuff mm. but eventually I got through that and really learned to you know value my own creativity enjoy exploring it and then in 2016 I started painting uh do you know what mandalas are oh absolutely oh I love mandalas yeah. oh my god do I love mandalas yeah I have them everywhere <laughs> yeah me too <laughs> Yeah. So I started painting these mandalas yeah. and for some reason got really addicted to painting them on stones. Oh, wow. Um, and they brought me so much joy. So I did loads of them, couldn't stop doing them, shared them on Etsy, got found by a publishing company who said, would you create a book for us, which I agreed to do. 
which was an amazing experience. So, so the book is mm -hmm. a how-to book, mm -hmm. uh, which you can get on Amazon. Oh, how beautiful. Um, but it felt very much it was part of my healing journey. It was a real um, rooting into my creativity in another way. Um, wow. And also, you know, creativity is, is a big part of what I do with women in, in a way that's right for them. Not everybody's yeah. a painter or a drawer. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, but that getting into that creative space brings so much relaxation to the body and Absolutely. gets us away from our thinking mind that, that um, yeah. Yeah, creates so, wow. so much havoc. So, yeah. I, like you said before, I'm nodding because it's like, oh, my God, if you're a Cancerian, I'm seriously going to just flip out. <laughs> I'm not. Oh, okay, because I was going to say I'm a Cancerian <laughs> and you sound like me because I did the same. I started working with, um, which are all behind me, I started working, I make my own candles. I make, I oh, deal with lovely. crystals. I yeah. always, I, I was a florist by trade as well for many years. Um, but then I started working with Bridezilla, so I stopped. <laughs> um, but I love flowers. So, you know what I mean? I, I've always had that creative side, you know, and it is so important. And like you said, I, and I think I've got a podcast on it that I did where I say to people, find your creativity. It doesn't necessarily have to mean that you've got to be the best artist in the world, whether it's painting, whether it's dancing, whether it's drawing, whether it's floristry, whatever it is, um, do it. Like I have uh, my sister's sister-in-law who, who battled cancer, stage four breast cancer, still with us, amazing woman. She started doing um, angel wings with wax paper, burning the wax paper. So it wow. makes like the black on the outside and then she glues it on and makes these beautiful angel wings in frames. She would never have done that prior because like we're saying, we suppress our creative side. And I think that is beautiful how you said that because it is important. And I love mandalas. Let me, I've actually, I'm not an artist like you. I actually color in mandalas. <laughs> <laughs> it so, really doesn't matter and I mean yeah. just coloring in gets you into a different part of the brain doesn't Absolutely. It? So and I think do I have a mandala here I, I no it's not really a mandala here but I've got them downstairs I frame them and people go that's a beautiful picture and I go yeah I know little <laughs> did they know I sat there don't go too close it's like Monet you know you get too close and then it's a mess <laughs> But um, no, but I really, really appreciate it. Did we touch on everything before we leave? Because I want to make sure that our listeners and our viewers get the best and the most out of you. So if there, is there anything else you wanted to discuss before we wrap this up? I think I, think I just want to, to point out, because we've touched on identity and personality on, and that a few times, and I just mm -hmm. want to bring um, the listeners aware to, awareness to the fact that there is something called a cancer personality. Mm. And you can look that up online. Oh, wow. uh, I think that's really useful information for people mm. to have to to see whether, you know, are you running some of those patterns? Mm. Um, and uh, there's a great article. Um, I can't remember where it is, uh, but I can send you the link, Grace, Absolutely. and you can, you can post it. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um because be it's awesome. very succinct. It's um, it takes an extract written by uh, uh, Dr. Douglas Brody, who highlighted um, the cancer personality, and it gives you, I think, six or seven things about what the cancer personality is. But then it also goes into what you need to address to resolve it. 
and really wow. does a lot of the work that I do. That is so, and that is that's what I'm saying. These are all the tools, guys. You know, we we keep saying they're out there. These are people who have lived it themselves. You know, you're 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 a living proof of these tools that work. You you know, do your research. I always say to people, does it um when. The one thing I got told the moment I was diagnosed is a friend of mine, when he found out, he was actually in Peru, or he would have been part of my dream team that I created, but he was actually in Peru. But he said, Grace, don't base your decisions on fear. And I that was the biggest lesson I took out because, you know, when you're first diagnosed, if your doctor says, I need you to do three star jumps and two black, you know, back flips, you would do it, not realizing, hang on, that could be causing more problems to my back and I'm not that healthy to do star jumps. I use it as a metaphor because what I'm trying to say is it's okay to do it, but make sure you go and do your research. Make sure you go out and see, well, what else is there? What else is there for me? Um, and and I, I really do touch on that because you're not just saying it. You've you've done it yourself. You've read about it. You've learned it. You've discussed it. You've felt it. You've lived it. So, and that's what I like about these podcasts because you actually get to see the person live through that. So, I really, really appreciate it. Now, Natasha could be found on lovebeinghuman.co.uk or on Facebook, Love Being Natty, which I actually like the page. So I'm on there already. <laughs> and um, is there anything else you want to say before we wrap it up? Um, just thank you so much, Grace. It's a real, it's been a real pleasure to have this conversation. Um, I think your podcast is an immense gift and service to women with breast cancer. It certainly is for me. And, and I'm enjoying listening to the podcast. Um, and I just want to say to women, you know, your breast cancer can be a gift um, if you know how to approach it in the right way. It can really give you back to yourself as it has done with me. And there's nothing more valuable than that, I don't think. No, yeah. and I agree. And I always say to people, it doesn't matter where you are on your journey. It doesn't matter. There's those that are, you know, get diagnosed early on. There's those that get diagnosed later on. Um, and their journey is a lot tougher than those, obviously, who, you know, earlier on. But I always say to people, don't let that deceive you. Don't become that. Don't let it, you know, you're not, don't let it become who you are. You're not that person. So therefore bring out the best, the best gift you can give or leave. Unfortunately, some of us, we don't know when our time's up, but if you're going to leave a gift, make sure it's the most authentic self. Your authentic self is the best gift that any of us, whether it's a hundred years from now, can leave behind. Um, and I and I really think that that's very powerful because for that person, having that inner peace is um, truly beautiful. But if you're living the journey, or if you've lived the journey, you want to now start living that inner peace so you can give back um, so much of yourself. So. Again, Natasha, thank you so much for being on my podcast. Um, you know, I really appreciate your time. I'm going to have all the links and all the, um, you know, everything down below so people can reach out to you. 
to my viewers and to my listeners, please um, reach out to Natasha. She is someone who is helping women at the moment, whether it was the beginning of the journey, the middle of the journey, or that you are now cancer free, but you're still feeling those, you know, those fearful emotions that are coming through, all those traumas that you haven't actually dealt with, um, please reach out to Natasha. And having said that, like always, thank you so much for listening in and I leave you guys. And like always, I wish you so much love and light. Thank you so much for joining me. I know you could have chosen any other show to spend your time with today. And I'm really grateful and humble that you've chosen me instead. And I hope I've been able to serve you in any way. You know, I hope this will become your go-to place to help you heal, feel supported and discover yourself along your hero's journey. And if this episode helped you today, please subscribe and share it with someone you know that would benefit from this. As I've learned about my hero's journey through breast cancer, nothing we receive is for us to keep but to be shared. And I hope I can serve you further by sharing some of the tools I've learned along the way. And it's hard for me to share it all in one simple episode. So if you go to www.theangelsofgrace.me forward slash resources right now, you can find a collection of tools that might be exactly what you need to take you on your hero's journey. And given that I don't know if you're listening to this podcast at the start, the middle or the end of the day, I want to wish you an amazing morning, an amazing afternoon or an amazing evening. I am Grace DeAngeli and you listen to the Breast Cancer Heroes Journey podcast. Thanks again for being here. Much love and light.